Hi friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and educator. And I'm Brian Luna, and believe it or not, I only recently tried pizza bagels. And you're listening to Talk Psych Psych to Me, a show where we take research out of the lab and into the street. Let's get into it. So lately, you know how I've been feeling frustrated with Americans making comments about the food that people eat in China being gross? Meanwhile, frankly, I think the things that people eat in the U.S. is also really disgusting. Hmm. Our sense of disgust goes far beyond food and spills over into how we perceive people. So today, I wanted to talk to you about the psychology of disgust. I think it's a topic that's not just important and timely, but also gross and funny and something I feel like you know a lot about. And I don't feel like it's disgust enough. Kablam! I like that. Yeah, thank you. Wait, what do you mean I know a lot about disgust? I'm disgusted by a lot of things. And I think you're, you know... Disgusting. Sometimes you can be disgusting. All right, well, okay. I can't argue with that. You (laughs) can't... I get, I really, I was going to get offended and I was like, yeah, but you know what, honestly? You're kind of like a big boy. Yeah, yeah, I really am. So you're this fascinating individual who is both disgusting and disgusted by a lot of things. Yes. What are some things that you find disgusting? Onions, um, two onions. Uh, I think people who put onions in their food, that's just (laughs) gross. It's just, it's rude. It's upsetting. So there's and that then, spillover effect. You don't like onions and you don't like people who like onions. I don't like people associated with onions. Something that I find challenging about our relationship is that when I come home from work, back mm-hmm. when I used to work outside the home, mm-hmm. you would like sniff me <laughs> as I walked in <laughs> and you would know not just if I had onions, but if I was with someone who had onions. <laughs> well, I mean, and you also try to lie about it. You'd be like, I'd be like, did you have onions today? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. Did, was there onions in my French onion soup? <laughs> there might have been. Yeah, I think they're white. You know what? I think they're... And your voice gets really, really high, and I know you're, like, trying to I've never off. lied to you about onions. It's just that I'm not tracking them the way that you track them. Okay, so aside from onions, <laughs> okay. what else what do you else find disgusting? What else disgusts me? Uh, another thing is, like, people who make noise. Like, okay, I'm gonna, I love my mother, but none of us, none of the children or anyone in the family could be around her when she's eating ice cream. It's, Can you it's give a, us a sample? Yeah, if you guys want to Google... <laughs> <laughs> like a cow eating grass or something. It's all tongue. Is it like this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a submarine sinking. So psychologists have actually studied disgust. Mm-hmm. And what disgust researchers have found is that disgust triggers tend to fall into three categories. Okay. Number one is something that is typically called core disgust which has to do with things that could potentially infect us, like feces, urine, mucus, pus, <laughs> rotting meat, maggots, Okay, and so all that on. stuff I didn't mention before, but all that stuff is on okay. my list, too. <laughs> Onion is not on the list. Okay, but not all poo disgusts me. Like, that is a really good point. Like, we talk about this sometimes where picking up our own dog's poo, mm-hmm. totally fine. Totally fine. But if I have to walk someone else's dog, it's really weird for me. Well, let's you say know. eating poo. <laughs> Why? Why are we talking? Well, I'm just saying that that is something that most people would be disgusted by. Yeah. 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 So that would be core disgust. Okay. But what you're bringing up about picking up other dogs' poo Mm -hmm. and how our own dog's poo doesn't disgust us, we'll come back to that. Okay. Because that's a really interesting question of whether disgust is innate or learned. Well, I'm sure if people change their own child, they're fine. But if I had to change your child, I wouldn't... Wait. No, wait. Hold on. (laughs) I don't think... No one's going to ask me to change. If I had to change a stranger's child, if I was babysitting Let's your, move your on. child, 
had a so <laughs> whatever, I don't know. So psychologists Rosen, Kate, and Macaulay have this other category that's kind of under the core discussed umbrella that they call violations of the exterior envelope of the human body, which I find super gross. So that's things like certain piercings, open sores, and seeing the insides of things that should be You have a problem with that. Things on the pro- inside, on the outside. What's your big thing with horror? Entrails. Yeah. So I'll like watch ton- any gross movie, <laughs> but I draw the line at intestines. Which is a huge issue in our relationship because my favorite movies of horror are... Zombies. Zombie movies. Zombies love entrails. Yo, they go after entrails like, I don't know, people who love entrails. (laughs) (laughs) My analogies are weak today. I'm not alone with this whole... We as humans want the envelope of the body to stay closed. Okay. That's a really visceral way of saying, like, keep the insides on the inside. Yeah. So, okay. So, number two is mate selection. Okay. When it comes to who we find mate-worthy. Yeah. (laughs) There are individuals (laughs) that we find attractive and Uh there are individuals that we actually find repulsive. And then number three Uh is what Haight and Nemerov call sociomoral disgust. What do you think that is? When you're disgusted by the way someone feels or thinks about a particular topic, either political or religious or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, one way that researchers study this is to have participants compete in teams against others for a cash prize. So let's say that you and I work together Mm -hmm. against another team. Yeah. We won 200 bucks. Yeah. And then I was told I could divide the money however I want. Mm-hmm. And I decide to give you ten dollars yeah. and keep one hundred and ninety dollars. Okay, how would you react? I'd be fine with that. We're in the same house because <laughs> you know you'd be money. able to yeah. get that money, money later. That money's coming home. Shit, that money's that money's buying new kicks. Right. I ain't worried. I ain't sweating. Let's say that we weren't filing taxes jointly. Mm-hmm. If you worked with some stranger yeah. and then that stranger handed you ten bucks, yeah. Kept one ninety. How would yeah. you feel about that? Am I going to see them in the in the parking lot after? No, you can't get the money from them. How do you feel about them? Oh, I guess I'm like, hey, you unfair son of a bitch. Yeah. If we won, more than likely, I did about seventy percent of the work. <laughs> if this is a stranger, <laughs> if this is you and I, I probably did like eighty five percent of the work. Wow. You don't even know what this game is. You are a cocky man. I'm not cocky. I'm certain, and I've been working on some of the things that we've talked about in previous podcasts. So I'm working on my inner self, cheering oh, myself God. up. So you're becoming my, more confident. I am stuff? hulking out on the inside. Uh, okay, so all right. I see an episode would, in our future on humility. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I would be like, yeah, I'd see it as unfair. I don't know if I'd find it disgusting. But well, here's what's really interesting: is that in fMRI studies. What researchers found is that the same areas of the brain that react to stuff like boogers and poop light up when we feel that someone has done something morally repugnant. Oh, wow. Okay. So, So for most participants, it triggered a disgust reaction. So it's almost like our brains, when we were evolving, mapped moral impurity, so to speak, Mm -hmm. onto the same neural pathways we use for physical impurity. So sociomoral disgust is also racism. Oh, yeah. Right? Like someone looking at me, seeing the color of my skin and thinking, oh, gross and never want them dating my daughter. And yeah, stuff or like, like extreme racism. It might be even something like, oh, I don't want them to come near me. I don't want to touch them. I don't. Want I can't to... drink out of the same fountain. I can't, can't drink yeah. out of the same glass of water. Yeah. On the other hand, if you believe that racism is morally distasteful, mm-hmm. then you're going to be disgusted by someone who's racist. Yeah. Why do you think we would have evolved to feel disgust of any kind? First of all, I would think at a very base level disgust keeps us away from poisonous things. A foul odor is not something you probably want to put in your body, which probably, with the exception of onions, which people still put in their bodies, it's probably not good for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the other one, the socio-moral disgust, 
I would say that is like what we've talked about previously is like kind of keeping your herd together. Yeah. Kind tribalism. of like taking, yeah, tribalism. One kind of obvious but still fascinating reason that I think you already pointed out is research shows that disgust actually helps prevent diseases, especially mm. infectious diseases. What's super interesting about this is that Louis Pasteur's germ theory didn't become commonplace until relatively recently. So our bodies knew, so to speak, that germs could be passed on long before we actually discovered the germs existed. Interesting. I, I was going to say, I believe it's pronounced Pasteur. 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 You look disgusted when you say that, though. Well, you have to when you're saying French words. Foie gras. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you got to look like you, you smelled foie gras. So disgust seems to be pretty handy mm. in terms of survival when it comes to not getting infected or not eating things that make us sick. Yeah. But what about socio-moral disgust? What do you think the point of that is? Well, like we discussed, I think keeping your herd together. I guess to some extent, if you think about how we've evolved, maybe that was for the best because maybe the diseases that your tribe carried are different from the diseases that the other tribe carry. And you've already developed an immunity to your own diseases, mm -hmm. whereas interacting with other tribes literally could kill you. Isn't that what happened with discovery? You know, when Europeans would come to new lands, they would also bring some of their germs. And yeah, I mean, it's believed that so many Native Americans, for example, in the U.S., what is now the U.S. were wiped out, not mm -hmm. just through violence, but through disease. So maybe part of it is actually for a survival of mm -hmm. the tribe. I, I mean, War of the Worlds, H.G. Wells wrote this when he talked about the invading Martians and they were taken down. Spoiler alert. They were taken down by a uh, virus. They were taken down by our common cold. That's oh, wow. how they were defeated. And they had these tools. Check us out were... today. <laughs> I know, really. We got Bring it aliens. on, aliens. Bring it on, E.T. We'll kick that ass. Oh, E.T. was a good one. Hey, you don't know that. You don't want to kill E.T. You e. don't know. You don't know. I don't trust E.T. I knew I a guy the... named Eddie Torres growing up. He had the same initials. I don't trust E.T. I guess the other component of sociomoral disgust is that it really helps make social norms deeply ingrained, mm -hmm. right? So even beyond separating us from others, it creates this alignment around what's good and what's bad within your own tribe, within your own culture. Right. And that's why I keep coming back to racism, because that's the major component to this particular aspect of disgust. It's the one I'm most familiar with <laughs> from a personal point of view. But, you know, a lot of people think that racist and racism are ideas. It goes deeper than that. People are grown into that. Like some of the things that we heard growing up, even on our side, about other races from our coaches, from our teachers, like this was part of growing up. When I got to New York, the actual melting pot of the world, it was a culture shock. I had to even... unlearn yeah, some of those everything. really but, deep but, ingrained but it physical wasn't, reactions. But it wasn't an idea. It wasn't like just one thing. Oh, this is what I think. It's like hearing it from when you're a kid yeah. all the way up. I've, I've heard it said before that racism isn't so much in our minds as it is in our bodies. Yeah. Right? Like it's the way that our bodies either tighten up and sure. constrict or Absolutely. they relax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's some fun studies that look at whether people are grossed out by the mere idea of an immoral person's possessions. We perceive that disgusting things can infect us, whether they're physical or moral. For example, researchers ask if participants would be willing to wear Hitler's sweater or the what? socks of a rapist. A sweater owned by Hitler or a sweater with Hitler's face on it? No, no. Hitler had a sweater. Yeah. Let's say it's a really nice sweater. You think it's beautiful. I mean... Would you I... put it on? Yeah, that's bad mojo. Nobody wants that sweater. No one's that cool. <laughs> bad juju. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Isn't that interesting, though? That we perceive that there's this thing that 
passes on this impurity, this thing that could hurt us, that could infect us, okay. even though logically we know that's impossible. It's impossible. Would you put on the socks of a rapist? Well, I just don't like the idea of wearing someone else's socks. But, well, okay. let's but say, say they were laundered. I, 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 You know how I do laundry. You do great laundry. I do amazing laundry. No, great laundry is what I used to do. I'm at amazing laundry right Okay. Now. So if I... Do you think you're amazing enough to get the bad juju off of... The socks of a rapist? That's for you to decide. I've washed... I've done the laundry the way I do. <laughs> I give you these socks. I'm like, oh, by the way, so-and-so... So here's what's going on. For me, logically, I'm like, oh, yeah, if my feet are cold, I'll take those socks. But did you see my face? Yeah. Just now? I was making a disgust facial yeah. expression. I felt disgust in my body. So? So... You would still wear them. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how cold my feet are. But I did feel disgusted at the thought of it. I would find it very hard. I mean, how do I... Yeah, but you love getting clothes on eBay. You don't know who used to wear that clothes. I doubt Hitler wore <laughs> Spider-Man t-shirt that I just got. My point isn't so much to <laughs> have a definitive answer to whether or not you would wear Hitler's sweater. My point is that we seem to have evolved with this <laughs> belief that we can be contaminated by yeah. something beyond just the physical. So as we've discussed, moral... <laughs> disgust. <laughs> As we've talked about, moral disgust could be a really helpful feature for keeping people in line when it comes to sticking to social norms. It's a kind of punishment for being a deviant. It could have helped us survive because it created this othering mechanism for our brains when our society was mostly tribal. Awesome back then, super destructive today. So is it more of a judgment thing? One man's disgust is another man's pleasure? That's exactly right. Aside from a very small number of triggers, disgust does not seem to be objective or universal. So what disgusts you might be completely different from what disgusts me. Yeah, like cracking knuckles. Like I know people that are like, oh, please stop that. Oh, nice. Those are good ones. The only thing that seems to be objective is certain tastes. So mm. even babies will respond with disgust. Oh, like you meant really like how, how, how babies taste. I was like, yeah, I can see that. Why? Why would you? <laughs> you said certain things like tastes like babies. And I was like, oh. oh. Mm. <laughs> no, babies tasting certain foods. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Baby tasting. <laughs> when babies are given certain foods yes. to taste, it does seem that there's a universal disgust reaction to bitterness. But beyond that, children have to be taught what society considers disgusting. In one awesome study by Paul Rosen and team, children were given a variety of items to taste, including hair, dish soap, grasshoppers, ketchup on cookies, chocolate syrup on hot dogs, chewy brown fungus, fish and what they called doggy do they described this as a really realistic poo <laughs> concoction that was made with peanut butter and various very stinky cheeses <laughs> <laughs> god and people get paid for this research like he <laughs> cashed a for check this. for on that with that grant with his oh my god can you god. imagine being the grant funding committee yeah like, You're like really? let's see what you've done with our money. I'm like, great, have some poo. <laughs> so what do you think happened? These were kids, I believe, uh, ages one through five. What do I think happened when they tried all this stuff? What, did they try it? The, the question was, would they put this stuff in their mouths? I don't think the kids tried any of it. Incorrect. The youngest kids put all of the things in their mouths, all of them. As they got older, between ages one and five, they put less fish and dog poop in their mouths, but everything else remained consistent. So going back to how we started this episode, there's really no such thing as disgusting food, as long as it's not rotten. Disgust is a learned concept. 
For example, is there anything that you find gross that most people find totally normal or vice versa? You already talked about onions. Jam. Jam. Yeah. You find gross. I find gross. Okay. And is there anything people... that you think is oh, totally normal? Oh, pancakes. Pancakes. You actually think pancakes are disgusting? I think pancakes are gross. I think it's disgusting <laughs> that you think pancakes are And you can add disgusting. waffles and French toast to that too. So like delicious breakfast foods you find disgusting? <laughs> no way. Because like, especially with syrup and all that stuff, like, no, no thank you. Is there anything that you find totally normal that other people find disgusting? Well, when I ate meat, I used to eat potted meat. Oh, God. See? Don't get this judgy really on me. This really tested our relationship <laughs> up front. I, I remember being at your house and opening up your cabinets to be like, hmm, what snacks do you have? And it was just shelves of potted meat, which is, for those of you who don't know, cans of meat paste. Uh, hey, look, people are paying top dollar for that stuff. If you go to those fancy places, you know, on crackers, they put it on fancy crackers. Yeah, I don't think they were putting Maybe not, that. But someone was like, is this spam? Brand. And I was like, actually, this is what's left over from spam. People used to think like, oh, are you hard up for cash? Like they'd open my cupboard and be like, oh man, hey, do you need a couple bucks? And I'd be like, no, I I, <laughs> I bought these. But like, you know this. what's interesting is that what we find disgusting can also change. So for example, I used to find meat really appetizing mm-hmm. and then it flipped for me yeah. when I stopped eating meat to the point where I like revolted and now that there are meat replacements that are really convincing like beyond meat and yeah, impossible so, meat I've had to retrain my brain interesting. to not be disgusted by yeah. fleshy things yeah there are also pretty consistent gender differences showing that women are more easily disgusted than men especially when it comes to mate selection well we're disgusting like for women who are looking to men as their mates they're slim pickings I feel bad for y'all I do because as boys we're kind of like applauded for being gross you know when we do something who applauds you for being gross we applaud each other i've never applauded <laughs> a gross boy we, we applaud each other and oh plus, you, like you try to one-up each other on how gross you are and, uh, yes but like we also like we do something in front of our mom or our, our grand oh you little piggy you know we're like oh, they we, laugh. and they laugh and we're like <laughs> you know and 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 that kind of okay. instills this thing whereas when y'all do something improper it's, hey, that's bad manners. You're not uh, being a lady. Yes, exactly. Lady-like. Whereas boys are like, boys will be boys. There's a lot of that's talk of lady-like. purity yes. for women. What do you say in the old days, like when you had to go to the bathroom? I'm going to go powder my nose. You know I've what I mean? never said that. No, no, no. But I'm saying like that in, in movies and stuff, I'm going to go right. powder my nose. So from an evolutionary psychology perspective, it's believed that women are more easily disgusted because A, if they're pregnant, they have to be much more careful about not infecting the baby. Oh, I see. But from a mate selection perspective, from a male perspective, you really should be reproducing as far and wide and frequently as you can. You heard Whereas- it here, folks. <laughs> Say you heard it here. From an evolutionary perspective. And I'm all about evolution. From a female perspective, you're really stuck with what your mate has left for you to raise. And so (laughs) you really want to be choosy about what you're getting involved with there. That said, Mm -hmm. and I know this is probably going to make you uncomfortable, Uh but there was a study that looked at what happens to women's disgust reaction when they become sexually aroused. Okay. Okay, so far. So researchers showed women some mm-hmm. clips to assist them in becoming aroused. And porn. Yeah, porn. Yeah. And <laughs> what they found is that once women were sexually aroused, mm-hmm. they felt less 
disgust or less aversion, which kind of makes sense and is really fascinating because as researchers point out, sex and other forms of physical intimacy are technically really gross. If you think about all of the exchange of fluids and even kissing, you know, and sweat and things like that, like we should really be repulsed by that. So it's important that sexual arousal reduces our tendency to be disgusted. I wonder if that's why kids are so disgusted by it. You know, like the idea of like kissing and holding hands. Oh my gosh, that makes sense. Until you hit a certain age, puberty, when you're ready to produce, and then you're like, oh, this is... Because so often, you don't see it as much in girls, which makes me wonder, maybe it's flipped up into a certain age. I remember in elementary school, boys saying that girls had cooties and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas girls were kind of more interested in boys. Mm Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's all that stuff is just plain gross until you can be aroused. Until you can, until you can. The other serve theory your body. is that maybe it's reaction formation where you're going, "That's gross," because you really find it intriguing. Maybe part of it is actual disgust. Maybe part of it is lying to ourselves. Like you see this yeah. oftentimes with individuals who express homophobia, actually are secretly attracted to the same sex. So aside from culture and gender, there are also big differences in individual disgust reactions. In fact, there's even a disgust scale to measure disgust sensitivity. May I ask you some of the questions on the disgust scale? Please. It's a really long one. I'm just going to shorten it to some of my favorites. So for simplicity's sake, please say either mostly no or mostly yes. Okay. Number one, it bothers me to see someone in a restaurant eating messy food with his fingers. Mostly no. It would bother me to see a rat run across my path in a park. Mostly no. Seeing a cockroach in someone else's house doesn't bother me. Yes, it doesn't bother me. Okay, so mostly mostly no. Yes. It bothers me to hear someone clear a throat full of mucus. (laughs) Mostly yes. (laughs) Number five. (laughs) If I see someone vomit, it makes me sick to my stomach. (laughs) Yes, mostly yes. All the way yes. (laughs) Even this (laughs) question makes you sick? Yeah, it hurt. Number six, it would bother me to be in a science class and see a human hand preserved in a jar. Mostly no. Number seven. All the way no. <laughs> in fact, you would like to see a hand I, in a I jar. Would, yeah. Number seven, it would not upset me at all to watch a person with a glass eye take the eye out of their socket. Mostly no. <laughs> okay. And then number eight, oh. even if I was hungry, I would not drink a bowl of my favorite soup if it had been stirred with a used but thoroughly washed fly swatter. <laughs> Sorry. Um, mostly, yes. You would not be okay with. I don't like soup to begin with. So if I find one that I that I'm like, yeah, I'll eat. I'm sure it's only gonna eat it if there's a flash water. Even if it was really, if it was like totally disinfected. Man, no, I ain't trying. (laughs) No. So as silly as this scale seems to be, one wild finding researchers have come across is that people who score high in disgust sensitivity, so you, it seems like you score relatively low except for like vomit and mucus, people who score relatively high are more likely to be politically conservative and more likely to oppose gay marriage. Interesting. Any theories on why this might be? And it's really hard to know whether there's cause or effect here because you can't experimentally raise a child from birth I to think, be either liberal or conservative or to be yeah. more or less exposed to disgust education. I think more conservative 
has more set values. Hmm. In other words, if you're more conservative, maybe you're a little bit more religious. That makes sense because if you've been taught to be religious, there's probably a lot more messaging around purity and impurity. Purity, and there, there are a lot more rules. There, well, there even are... rules around food, what's okay to exactly. eat and what's not okay exactly. to eat. Exactly. I do have a feeling that progressives, left-leaners, it's constantly changing and evolving and they're looking to kind of change along There's with the more times. There's embracing of difference, which may also be as a result of being surrounded by difference. Yes. And conservatives want to conserve. They want to preserve the morals and values instilled by their parents and their family and their grandparents. Mm-hmm. But I guess one way or the other, whichever way you lean, or if you're somewhere in the middle, the point again here is that these reactions are taught and they are relative. Exactly. So whatever someone believes, they have learned at some point and they can unlearn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we wrap up, I want to touch on why understanding disgust psychology is so important. First of all, when we find someone or something disgusting, we distance ourselves. Our brains are wired for survival by aversion. Obviously, aside from keeping six feet apart, which is a really important survival by aversion right now, mm-hmm. if we are disgusted by people's ideas, by people's behavior, by people's habits, we don't go into learning and curiosity mode. We go into distance, defense. Sure. Sheltering. Sheltering yeah. mode, exactly. And even worse than mere distancing, disgust triggers another reaction in humans. Before I talk about it, I want to briefly recreate an experiment done by Simone Schnall and team. Okay. I'm going to give you something to sniff. Oh, come on. (laughs) Come on. No way. What? Come on. You know me. Smell it. Oh, man. And then I want you to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of how pleasant or disgusting it is. Do you know how? One is going to be, it's so pleasant. It's one of the loveliest things you've ever seen. Do you know how stressed I am about this right now? Do you know how anxious this makes me? 10 is, this is one of the most disgusting smells. Fine, bring it on. I Close my eyes, yeah? Yeah, close your okay. eyes. Do you want me to put it in your hand? No. Just, can you lean over? Yeah, so lean over closer to no, me. No, 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 don't put it in my face. Oh, God, Doug! Oh, what is that? Oh, nine, ten! Ten, get it away, get it away! Come on! Okay, you can open your eyes. Is it away? Yeah. Oh, gross. Whew. For those of y'all who wanted to know what that was, she put is it sauerkraut, mm-hmm. sauerkraut in my face. <laughs> and then when she closed the bag, she put all the air out. Now the whole room smells like sauerkraut <laughs> and armpit. <laughs> okay, so you gave that a nine? No, no, ten. Ten? Okay, so now I have one more question for you. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. if someone makes a false claim in an advertisement about a medication working or not working... How much punishment should they receive? One being no punishment at all to 10 being really severe punishment, send them to prison. Well, with medication, I would think it was it's very dangerous. Well, let's say there's no negative side effect. It It just just, doesn't work. It just doesn't work. False hope, I think, is is harsh. So one is no punishment. I would say it's like seven. Seven? Okay. So what Schnall and team did is basically just this. They recreated a fart smell. Which you just did here. (laughs) And they had participants smell it. And then they asked them various moral questions and found that after feeling disgusted, participants, Can I guess? yeah, punishments were higher for, yep, for questions exactly. like that. So yeah. they were much more likely to suggest harsh punishments. And just for the record, sauerkraut does not smell like fart. It smells what I imagine zombie farts smell like. <laughs> okay, zombie farts. So like dead farts. So in short, disgust is relative. And what is disgusting is learned versus objectively right or wrong. And yet, it's so deeply ingrained in our brains that we treat anyone who is disgusting as dangerous and as actually someone that we want to punish and wipe out of our tribe, our society. Yes. 
So, Brian Lena, mm-hmm. now that you've smelled some disgusting things, we've talked about disgust psychology. Yeah. What are your takeaways? How do you think we as people should change the way we act if we take into account the extent to which disgust impacts us and the extent to which it's relative? Well, first things first, we change the way you eat sauerkraut. <laughs> Because you have to eat it outside. Yeah. And by the way, I have not purchased any sauerkraut in over a year. I bought this specifically for this episode. And afterwards, we will throw it out? No, I don't believe in wasting food. I think that's a disgusting thing to do. That's not food. Okay. So how do we... What was your What was your question? Can you repeat the question one more time? I'm I, distracted I, I, by this Honestly, smell. I'm so distracted because I can... It's still lingering in my... My question for you is just, sinuses. look, mostly we're acting upon our reaction to disgust mm-hmm. unconsciously. What I find really beautiful about psychology is that it gives us this inside look into how we act and why Mm -hmm. we act that way. So that gives us a window of choice. You know, we were talking about opening the body envelope. I feel like understanding (laughs) psychology is opening the mind envelope. Wow. I was just thinking the same thing. Which is not gross. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Because then we have choice. Well, look, the studies that you bring to talk about are really kind of like unlocking or taking a model apart. And trying to f- and, and figuring out where everything goes. And then when you put it back together again, you have a better understanding of how the engine works or whatever. Now that we've been talking about disgust, it's going to be a cool thing to look at for the next couple of weeks because I'm going to try. I mean, look, there's nothing I can do about the way things smell and yeah. everything else for and me. And nothing about this research is saying, hey, Brian Luna should start eating onions and sauerkraut. And I can tell you that research is going to fall on its face if it thinks that because I there think, is no way. I think the more important piece here is how do we reduce or shift or unlearn disgust we might feel with ourselves or with others? Well, look, disgust, when we talk about that, it's kind of like fear of the unknown. It's kind of like when people... People are talking about the wet markets and what prompted you to write, to talk about this in the first place. Is that we just don't know about it. It looks weird. It looks foreign to us, and we just don't understand it. If you, we were to look in a mirror on the other side, looking at us, we would think the same thing about yeah. some of our values. If we so, were I think raised. that's a great takeaway. Yeah. Is just anytime you find something disgusting or morally repugnant, it's important to pause and say, well. How about the things we do? How about the things that I think are normal? Are those things objectively good? Right, Or is there a totally different way to look at this? I remember when people were talking about, oh, gross, bats. Who would eat a bat? I come from a place where every year they have a rattlesnake roundup and it's a festival. I come from a place where people keep animals in cages and then eat them when they're sick. America. (laughs) I was about to say, yeah, we all do. Any other takeaways on the moral disgust front? I would love to see myself take more of a inward look at people who are disgusted by me or you know like if it's like something that i can't understand i can um, explain it to you <laughs> but i'm talking like racism or xenophobia or elitism and see yeah. if i can change something about I, that because i'm never going to eat onions but <laughs> uh maybe i can start thinking and appreciating people in a different way That's also my takeaway is I want to pay attention to when I feel disgusted by someone's actions, except for yours. Some of the things you do are really just gross, (laughs) but morally disgusted. I want to pay attention to that and shift into curiosity because at the end of the day, if little kids will eat hair and poop, I'm not above saying, you know what, maybe this is not objectively wrong. Let me actually just get curious and ask some questions. Well, since we've thoroughly discussed disgust, I think it's time to discuss 
how we can share this podcast. Yes. If you know of someone who disgusts you personally, <laughs> please share this episode with them <laughs> and pass it on. Feel free to write to us as usual. Follow and us on social media. We'll probably absolutely. post some really gross images. I can't wait. I can't wait. They're not going to be of me, are they? And thank you for listening to Talk, Talk Psych, Psych to, to Me. me.